Welcome back to Justice for the Roads Boys. This is Season 2, Episode 2, an interview with Kirsten Rhodes, the new wife of Mr. Rhodes. And today we're going to talk about um, when she finally met the children and things that followed. So, hello, Kirsten. Hello. So, um, like... How did you uh, meet the kids for the first time? So what led to me meeting them was the mother had found out that Mr. Rhodes and I were married. She had already had issues, you know, with Mr. Rhodes and I being together as she wanted to control or whatever the situation was. But once she found out Mr. Rhodes and I were married, the mother took it upon herself to file a motion in Oklahoma to modify the custody order that was done in Alaska during the divorce. So when that was filed, the mother was trying to get full custody of the minor children and have Mr. Rhodes pay child support. Well, that came back to my attention. And this was roughly February time frame of 2018. So then I took it upon myself to research and see what we needed to do because there was no way Mr. Rhodes was going to pay child support on children whom he was not going to see. Right. So that led us to me researching, finding a attorney in Oklahoma who was great and uh, took the case and we retained them, started the process, which led us to April 5th of 2018, where Mr. Rhodes and I traveled from Colorado to Oklahoma for a court hearing And at that court hearing, uh, both sides were able to give their testimony. During the court hearing, um, the mother had disclosed some unstable, like, living history as far as moving nine times, uh, living in and out of shelters, having numerous different men involved around the children, just being um, very unstable for two little children. Right. So after the judge took all uh, the statements and took everything into consideration, the judge did grant Mr. Rhodes full custody and did allow the mother to have visitation if she traveled to Colorado Uh, The judge also allowed communication being over the phone with the children. Um, The judge did did allow each party to participate in birthdays or school activities if the uh, parties wanted to travel. They also waived child support as we did not want child support from the mother. Never have, never will. That is not my game in life to take money from someone, especially if that person is not seeing the children. I don't believe they should have to give money to anybody. Right. So um, that kind of got us through the very first court hearing in April 5th, which led us to taking two little innocent children that I had never met that were roughly the ages of three and five to our home in Colorado. So whenever y'all obtained a lawyer, did y'all have any issues finding a lawyer to take that case? So first, when we obtained a lawyer, um, everything was good. They had no you know, conflict of interest. Uh, they had never helped out the mother. But shortly after obtaining the lawyer, the mother did have some mental deficiencies and would harass our lawyer, would um, 
call their office numerous times a day, that she would try to go to their office. Our lawyer did tell us on multiple occasions they had to turn their phones off and lock their doors due to the harassment that they were receiving from the mother. Wow. Okay. Um, so whenever they gave her permission to contact the children via phone, was that whenever she wanted or was there a specific schedule for that? There was a specific schedule. It was to be at 7 o'clock the children's time every night. So 7 o'clock the children's time every night. Yes. And she was to call um, one number. The day that we received custody in Oklahoma, I decided it would be best if um, Mr. Rhodes and I went to Walmart and bought the children a phone that we controlled as far as like putting minutes on and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I gave the mother the phone number and I said this will be the phone for communication if you need to text about something or this is the phone you'll call or if we need info from you um I did not feel that it would be safe or um beneficial to give out our personal numbers just from the level of harassment that we had endured in the past understandable so uh, so So, how, um, after that court hearing, um, she, I'm assuming, was to hand over the children. How did that go? So, yes, she was supposed to hand over the children um, right after the court hearing. Um, the lawyer and Mr. Rhodes went down to the vehicle that the mother was, that mother had drove driven to court that day and I brought down our vehicle to exchange like to get the car seats in our car and get the children in our car um we took the children to Walmart because the judge and lawyer had said give the mother like two hours I think to go to her home and get clothes toys medical records birth certificate um any important documents that we would need and to meet us at Walmart to hand those things over and then we would part our ways. Right. So after we left the courthouse with the children, we went straight to Walmart. That's where we obtained the phone for the children. We bought car seats of our own because the mother was throwing a real fit about we could only use those car seats to get them to Walmart, but we weren't taking those car seats and all of that. So Mr. Rhodes and I bought car seats. Now, while we were buying the car seats, they only had a pink one and a gray one. So I bought the pink <clears throat> and the gray. Now keep in mind, both of the children are boys, right. but being a car seat that has really nothing to do with what the color, as long as it's safe. Right. So, got the car seats, got the phone. I think we got a couple outfits because at this point we had nothing. We were starting like they were newborns. We had no idea this was going to happen. Um, we we were prepared in our minds, but we also had to keep in mind that it was in the judge's hands. So, we weren't like trying to go out and spend and buy things that we might not need. Right, because she could have won. Yes. So after we got all the things in Walmart, we went back out and waited for the mother to show up. When the mother showed up, I had got the car seats out of my car and was going to put them in her car. As I was doing that, a lady got out of the passenger seat with a cell phone recording our, I guess, interaction. Um, I asked the lady if she would stop, that there was absolutely no need for this. And the lady acted belligerent and told me she was recording, um, cussed at me, just acted um, inappropriate for public. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I reached out to the lawyer because the mother was um, becoming very belligerent herself, which is her pattern. She cannot control behavior sometimes, so... It was nothing out of the ordinary, but I just was not going to put up with it since this was 
my first encounter with her and the children. Right. So the lawyer advised that we call the police and that we get the things and we leave. That's it. That's all we had to do there. We did not need to have discussions. We did not need to have a picnic. It was just get the stuff and go. So when the when the police proceed to show up, that is when I finished getting the car seats out of the vehicle, tried to give the car seats to the mother. The mother decided to like bump me and move her leg to where the car seat fell and it hit her leg. Now keep in mind the car seat was just a couple pounds, nothing heavy, nothing crazy. Right. Well, the mother started screaming. <clears throat> Uh, saying that I hit her, I threw the car seat, yada, yada. The police officer explained to her, very straightforward, ma'am, she did not do anything, she did not hit you with that, this was on recording, you need to calm down. But um, being who the mother is, and like I've stated before, her mental deficiencies, that made it worse. So we continued trying to get everything done. The police were there as witnesses. We finally got all the stuff that we needed. She started throwing a fit about the car seats we bought because she said they weren't appropriate because one was pink and one was gray. Well, the police officer checked the car seats, said that we were good to go. Um, During that time, the mother threw a bag of stuff in our trunk And in that bag, she had thrown a pill bottle. The pill bottle had her name on it. She proceeds to tell us that that was the medicine that she was giving to the kids. It was theirs, and they needed to take it. That was all she said. We got this stuff, and we proceeded to leave Oklahoma. So you didn't know what the medication was, if it was theirs or if it was hers, or what it was, what milligram or anything, because it was in a bottle with her name on it. Yes, there was, like, nothing else on the bottle, and she didn't express what it was or why she was giving it to them. She just said, they need to take this. Did she even address how much they were supposed to take and how often or anything? No, she didn't address any of that. She did not have any medical records. She did not have any birth certificates. She had nothing. So she didn't um, bring what they were supposed, she was supposed to have brought to begin with. No, she, I guess, from what our outlook was, she didn't have much for them to begin with. So she just brought what, I guess, either she had or what she thought she needed to bring. However, it was not what the court advised her to bring, which is what we would need to raise children. Right, and birth certificates um, would be something important to bring to children that are going out of state with another parent. Um, and you have to have those to get on any kind of state assistance. So I'm sure she did have those. Um, yes, but of course I'm sure she didn't want to make that easy for y'all. So she just let y'all get your own. Um, so with her like mental capacity at the drop off, how was her mental status during the court hearing? So, during, during the court hearing, she um, definitely had her moments of outburst. She tried to interrupt our lawyer. She tried to interrupt the judge. She claimed she had evidence. She claimed X, Y, and Z. The judge specifically asked her um, facts about life, like being a parent. Do you work? Have you worked? Where do you live? Where, you know, how long have you lived there? Um, who, you know, who is involved in your everyday life. All of those things were triggers to the mother. Uh, basic information? Yeah, it was just normal, hey, like, do you have a job to support your child? And that information set the mother off. Wow. Wow. So how did the judge tend to feel about her outburst? He was getting very frustrated with her, and he eventually did, like, this, like, little way in one hand, you know, and which one weighs more, and he explained to her that she had no job, no income, 
was in and out of shelters, had lived nine places in one year. And then you have the father who is in the military, had a stable income, had a home, had a wife who was working but was willing to quit her job to take care of these children and raise them, had no criminal background. So he said, if you you weigh them out, it looks like Mr. Rhodes would be the better fit parent in this situation. And that, of course, set the mother off. Right. So how old were the children when this happened? Uh, The oldest would have been five and the youngest would have been three. Were they clean when you got them? No, they were in what I would call rag clothes. They had dirt, uh, bruises, like bite, more like, you know, bug bites, um, stunk, and just were not dressed or looking presentable um, for a child at that age. Wow. Okay. So, um, how were they developmentally, like, when you got them, like, were they on track as far as, like, walking, talking, things like that? So, the five-year-old um, had not been in kindergarten. And as I'm sure you know, and many of you know, five years old, typically, depending on when your birthday falls, you start kindergarten. Yeah. Um, this child's birthday is in September. So, I do believe he meets the cutoff to start in August when his birthday is, you know, a month later. Yeah. Well, um, he was going to be six that year and which meant we got him in April. He should have been in kindergarten from, you know, August of 17 till April. However, he was not. He, um, he was a little delayed as far as speaking. He seemed to, like make sense of reality and know how to do certain stuff but putting words together or any of that he did something for a five-year-old okay and then youngest the three-year-old he was extremely delayed he couldn't speak really um he had a lot of issues with his mouth, his ears, he um, needed to have tubes in his ears. He couldn't hear very well. He was not potty trained when we obtained custody of them in April of 18, which at three years old, a child should be pretty fully potty trained at that age. Yeah, at least for the most part. Yes, maybe not at night, you know, pull, pull up at night, but during the day yeah. when there's or an a accident parent, here and there kind of thing, but yeah, so he was, like I said, he was delayed at that aspect. And then as time progressed with him and I seen everyday like activities, I really knew that he, the three-year-old was very late as far as developmental status okay so how was their like behavior when y'all received the children so the night that we received the children actually in the hotel that night the youngest had i guess just like a ptsd outburst moment and um he peed the bed he started screaming he was i mean terrified scared and then the oldest who was five he would just have outbursts, like, in the middle of the store. He would fall on the floor, scream, hoot and holler, kick. Um, on the way coming home from Oklahoma to Colorado, the oldest was hitting himself, scratching his legs, pulling at his hair, which I do believe was what the mother had coached him to do because she wanted them to come back to her. So she knew, hey... If my child does this and I give it a, you know, a little bit of time and somebody sees it, then they'll come back because it'll be on the the father and his wife's fault. Okay. Um, how was the connection between the kids and the mother when y'all got them? 
So from what I observed, just from the very first like day we got them, neither child asked about her. Neither child asked to speak to her. Now keep in mind, they couldn't really talk. Um, mm-hmm. But neither child made any kind of like anything to me that would make me think they wanted to speak to her. Or if we asked them of wanting to speak to her, they both would say no. I mean, I had multiple times where her seven o'clock call would come and the oldest would be in the background. I don't want to talk. No, no, I don't want to talk. You know, when y'all um, left out uh, Walmart, did they seem like they were sad that they were leaving her? No, they actually seemed like at peace that they were finally away from the chaos in their life. Oh, wow. Okay. And they were three and five, so they should have never felt like that. Right. So then once y'all got home, I'm assuming y'all had to have a shopping spree. (laughs) How did that go? We, 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 every month we went out and went to the little... Um, use children's clothing store and we get clothes for the kids and go home and try them on and they were so appreciative of having things because I'm assuming when they lived with the mother they didn't have much or they didn't get much Right. so that was you know very it felt great for them to get things and then them being so appreciative of it really made you feel good okay and then, I mean, y'all had to get beds and everything because y'all, you didn't have them. So. Yeah, we got we got beds. Um, we I had dressers already, and then we just got clothes and had to buy, you know, medicines to keep at the house, and we had to buy, you know, stuff to bathe them with. I mean, there's a list of things that you have to do, and you know, when the father was not in the picture. And to continue on after we had to get all the things in April after we obtained custody of the children, during the three or four weeks um, in April, when the mother was calling, she would call at seven o'clock um, and try to speak to the children. Well, that lasted a few, very few weeks until we finally realized her calling was putting more stress on the children than what was. I mean, it just so it was, it was triggering them. Yes, it was. I mean, every time she would call, you would have to kind of force these children to want to talk to their mother and then when they would get off the phone they would kind of be little brats there was just something that they did not like about hearing her voice so they would just kind of act out when they would get done talking to her yes wow and it was a you know almost every time she would call and then if you know she didn't call it seven and say it was like seven fifteen. Well, per the court order, she was to call it seven. So we wouldn't answer. Right. And then we would get nasty text messages on her children's phone about how we were withholding her children and we we're supposed to let her talk to them. I mean, being a 32 year old woman or th- however old she was at the time, the things that she was saying and doing was way out of character. Well, and especially considering, for one, she wasn't calling on time, and then two, she had withheld the kids from the father for a year or more. I mean, solid straight, you know, and then there was time previous to that that she had withheld too, but, you know, now that it's being done to her, it's not okay. Exactly. Anything that, you know, she does to somebody, if you were to do it intentionally or not intentionally, it just causes a big issue because she thinks that she deserves everything handed to her on a silver platter and she does no wrong. And I mean, 
her mental status is what really gets her in the situations that she has been in her entire life. Right. Well, and with kids that age, they need a routine and structure. And so when the court says you're supposed to call at seven every night and you wait till seven fifteen, well, me, my logic would be like, okay, well, if I answer the phone, then if the court said you can talk to them from seven to eight, well, you're still getting off the phone at eight. You don't get an hour. You get from seven to eight. End of story. I don't care if you call at seven fifty-eight. Well, then I guess you're only talking to them for two minutes, you know, but her calling late gets them off of schedule. And then y'all have to deal with the outcome of that to where, especially with children who are from a home that's been stressful and chaotic structure is a huge thing for them. Yes. And that was, you know, ever since we've had the children, you know, bedtime's eight o'clock between seven fifteen and like seven forty-five. that's either you're getting a shower, you're getting your teeth brushed, you're trying to wind down. And then by eight o'clock, whatever you're doing, whether TV, playing your game, it's done and you lay down. So really them setting that time for seven o'clock was a really bad idea because bedtime's at eight. Did they give her a specific time that she was allowed to talk to them for, like 30 minutes or an hour? No. Um, so it was at y'all's discretion? Yeah, actually it was just, um, I want to say at our discretion, but I actually have the court order in front of me. And Well, see, I was just wondering because, you know, she she's supposed to call at 7, but then they're supposed to go to bed at 8. And if they are being triggered by her from this phone call, it's probably next to impossible to get them to lay down at 8 and go to bed when they've just been triggered by speaking to someone on the phone. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, it was most of the time the oldest um he was the one who would act out more, which later on to come to find out the youngest is who endured the roll into the stick. But, um, at the time, I guess the oldest just, he just didn't want to speak and he didn't like having to be told to speak to her, but yeah. there was no, um, time frame, like how long it just said that the call would be at the evening at seven in the children's time zone which is currently mountain time zone. Um, and that was it. I mean, they didn't say how long she could talk or whatever. So we literally would be like, Hey, you know, your mother's calling today. We would answer the phone. She'd say hello. And if they didn't want to talk, I told them all they had to say was hi, love you. Bye. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they were how old again at that point? Three and five. Three and five. And see, a three-year-old's really hard to get to sit still for very long and talk on a phone. And a five-year-old's not much easier. And usually you're going to get maybe five minutes, maybe, maybe ten, before their attention span is just like, okay, I'm done with this. Bye, I'm going to play. Yep. So, but I'm sure if it were just a five-minute call... I'm sure that didn't make her happy, and y'all probably had to endure the brunt end of that. Oh, all the time. We would always get accused that we were hanging up on her, not letting her speak to her kids, or we were telling her kids that she, they didn't need to talk to her. Um, it was always, you know, putting the blame on us, even though, in reality, her children just didn't want to be on the phone. Right. One, at that age, kids really aren't, you know, all that interested in the phone. I mean, they they are as long as there's a game on it, but it's, you know, yeah. not really for talking on the phone. So, like, whenever y'all would get them to the phone to talk to her, how would the phone calls usually end? Like, would they just run off and then you have to get on there and be like, hey, they took off, or how'd that go? So, we would, if, if they didn't want to talk, which was... I'd say 95% of the time, unfortunately, it was, I pick up the phone. She says, hello. The children 
both say, hi, we love you, bye. And then I just hit the end button. And I, I mean, there was a few times that the mother would try to call back, but I didn't have to answer, nor would I answer. That was her phone call. And now I have to go get these children ready for bed. Right. Well, now it's probably easier just once they say bye, it was their phone call. <clears throat> you know, just hit the end button so you don't have to explain anything or listen to the mouth of their mother. Yes. Because, I mean, had you been like, hey, you know, they said bye and then they ran off to their room, you know, you would have had God knows how long of a conversation and it wouldn't have been much of a conversation, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but then I'm, you know, did you get like hateful text messages after that would happen whenever they would say bye and you would hang up? Oh yes. She would send messages to the same phone and accuse us of keeping them, you know, from talking to her and we didn't let her even talk. She didn't get anything in, um, which most of the time what she would try to say was, Oh, don't worry, babies. You'll be home to mommy real soon. Which, at three and five, you don't need to say that whether you have, you know, any kind of proof that the court is going to let them come back or you don't. That's just not stable for a three and five-year-old. No. Especially when they're being triggered. Yes. And that that could have been part of what was triggering them. Yes. And then, after, you know, like I said, three or four weeks of that, um and the children suffering and it just causing a lot of issues in our household. Uh, Mr. Rhodes told his lawyer and the lawyer filed for another motion to be heard in court on May of 2018. And in that motion, um, the court suspended the visitation and also ordered or granted us a restraining order against the mother. So at that point, you no longer had to endure the phone calls or visitation. Yes, which, I mean, the visitation aspect, she never fulfilled. She was to come to Colorado. But, I mean, in that first month that they were in Colorado, we had plans for her to come one time. She never fulfilled those plans. Okay. And then, of course, the phone calls did last, I want to say, roughly the whole month of April. And then in May, the judge granted for the visitations to be suspended due to it was in the best interest of the minor children that her visitation and telephone contact be suspended. So, I mean, it was every single night that y'all were being harassed by her text messages because the phone calls would not go as she wanted them to. Oh, yes. Every night for a month. Yeah, we got home. We got the children April April 5th. April 6th, we made it back to Colorado. April 7th, I want to say, was Sunday, which was Easter. We took the children to church. We come home. No, I'm sorry, to back that up. We got home on the 6th. We wake up on the 7th, and there's police at our door. She oh. had called the police to do a welfare check on these children because when we got home that night, the youngest had a temperature and it was a very high temperature. So I told his father, Hey, let's take him into the ER. Um, who knows what could be wrong with him? He did wet the bed the night before he was screaming. Maybe he's got, you know, something wrong. Mm-hmm. So we took him in, ended up having like a double ear infection and strep. Well, I, couldn't keep up with all the text messages, her and trying to care for two children, a husband, a house, and dogs. So, I I guess I didn't respond in a timely manner. So, the mother called the police on us. Had the police come out, do a welfare check at like 9 in the morning, and we're all sleeping. So, like the day after you got the children, you already got the police at your house. Because you didn't respond because you were sleeping because you had a sick child. Yes. The literally the next morning after receiving custody in Oklahoma. Wow. Yes. So we endured a lot of harassment in the very first month that 
would make anybody want to run away and hide. So how did it go once the court modified the visitation plan? How did that go? Well, um, since they modified that and then she was restrained from harassing um, my husband, Mr. Rhodes, and myself or the children by telephone or reports to authorities, um, it went pretty decent, really, from May of 2018 till about October timeframe. And that was due to the protective order, correct? Yeah, that was due okay. to the fact that she had a court order. She wasn't allowed to call, so we didn't have to worry about that. Like, we didn't have to answer if she did call. Um, she wasn't allowed to see that her visitation was suspended, and then we had a restraining order that prohibited her from harassing us. Gotcha. So things went well until they didn't, and what caused things to not be well at that point? So in October, roughly, um, I don't know exactly where she got her information, or maybe she just was coming up with stuff, but she had called um, CPS um, out to our house. And CPS came out and wanted to see the children because of some allegation, and I don't recall the complete allegation that this person had made. Well, during that time, we had just got out of the hospital with her youngest child due to him being allergic to mold. And the house that we were living on, on post, was an older home. And there was what they called mildew, but I call mold. Right. So he was in the hospital for like two nights. And we get home and all of a sudden, I've got CPS at my house. And they're saying some crazy allegation. And I'm thinking, well... I was just in the hospital with doctors around, and if there was any issue, the doctor would have taken the child or taken me, I would assume. Right. They would have called and made a referral on you for whatever they yeah. thought needed to be done. And I highly doubt they would have let the child go home with me. Right. So I was very confused, frustrated, trying to take care of this child, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And then it all clicked that it was the mother. And the mother does these things. She sends police. She sends CPS. She calls military command. Anything that she thinks she can do to get you in trouble or get something, she does. So CPS came, finally got all that squared away. And then we moved. And as we were moving from Colorado to Kentucky... Somehow, she got a little money somewhere and hired a lawyer um, for this custody case. And when she hired the lawyer, her end game was to get her, I guess, full custody back is what I was assuming. Mm -hmm. And she made allegations to the military that would cause Mr. Rhodes to have to surrender his children because they said the level of allegations that this person was making, the mother, um, could potentially get him kicked out of the military. Oh, wow. So at this point, she, it sounds like she's trying to ruin his career out of retaliation for taking her children from her. Oh, yes. And if I remember correctly, I don't know if it was then or if it was this last time that we received the children but one time both children have told us that the mother said that she was going to get their dad kicked out of the military oh wow yes so this is her like her end game in life is to my opinion now now I don't yeah, not saying this is accurate not saying anything but I do believe if she can't have the man or whatever man it may be, she wants to ruin their life. I mean, you will hear some horror stories in the next few seasons that kind of will come back to this. And you can be like, well, I guess person was right because the mother is just absolutely 
asinine when it comes to not having a man and what she does to make them want to, I, I guess, come back. But any smart man would run away. Yeah. Well, um, they'll learn uh, throughout this series and whatnot that control, manipulation, and trying to ruin somebody to get her way is a very, very common thing throughout. So, yes. yeah, it just, it, it seems like as the months go by, it just gets worse and worse. So, oh, yes. <clears throat> so, um, what did she f have her attorney file at the courthouse to review the custody? So, yeah. So I do believe her lawyer did file like an appearance to be her attorney, but because she had made the allegations and my husband, Mr. Rhodes, was going to a new military unit in Kentucky. Um, the, our lawyer had advised us that the mother had some criminal charges pending in Oklahoma, where she was living at the time. Mm -hmm. And that due to the allegations that she was making against Mr. Rhodes, it would be best if we just surrender the children even though we didn't want to um, surrender the children, she was going to potentially be in trouble for these criminal charges. And then we would have, we could get them back and have full custody and like her be removed. Okay. So that is what we did on November 30th. They entered an order um, of us, you know, returning the children back to the mother. And we were to have, visitation we were to have every even thanksgiving every odd christmas we were to meet halfway to get the children um she was still prohibited from harassing whether by telephone social media or reports to authorities and through third parties um we were still able to have the seven o'clock phone call and child support was still waived. Okay. And we did meet the mother and we did give the children back to her on December 3rd of 2018 in Tennessee. And from that day on, we did not speak nor see the children until May of 2020. And so the court did give her back 100% custody. So they, uh, I mean, they gave her, uh, yeah, I guess it would, you could consider it a hundred percent. I mean, we still had with him having visitation like, rights. Yeah. Cause we only had like summer spring break and stuff like right. that. So, um, how did that drop off go? So the drop off, um, was not the best. It wasn't as bad as the original pickup in April of 18. However, when we got to the meeting point, which happened to be a police department, um, advised to us by our lawyer due to the mother's past, um, the, my husband, Mr. Rhodes, sat in vehicle, did not get out in fear of what she may say he did or did not do. He just could not risk his military career over her lines anymore. So he sat in the car the entire time. Smart. And then I got out with the children. Um, the mother had her brother um, drive her from Oklahoma, roughly about 14 hours. They pull up in a vehicle that I did not believe was going to make it. I mean, to the next stop sign, no less 14 <laughs> hours. Yeah. <laughs> kind of one of those uh, things like, how did you get here? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Oh yeah. How does gas even stay in the vehicle? Um, but when I got the children out, I explained to both of them, you know, hey, this is not your father and I's fault. You have to understand that. This is not what we want. Um, however, your mother has made these, you know, choices and this is what has to happen right now. I said, but please don't be mad at us. So forth, so forth. Well, the oldest child hid behind me, did not want to go. Keep in mind, at this point, he would have been sticks. So old enough and, where he can understand what's happening. Yeah, he did not want to go back. Well, the youngest child at that point, um, 
because of his developmental status, he was, you know, four, but he was a little delayed and he had only been around female-wise his mother, except for me, and he just knew, oh, that's my mother. So she's there. He goes to her with no issue. The oldest I had to kind of push out to go. Um, He finally went over there. Well, when she opens the car, there's no car seats. Oh. The car seats that she threw a fit and wouldn't give you, now she doesn't have? Oh, no, ma'am. She got rid of the car seats like a week after we obtained custody. She sold those things quick. Oh. Yeah. So similar to the second situation that we'll get into later. Just selling all their things shortly after they leave. Yeah. She got, you know, through a fit that we couldn't have them to take care of her children in. But it was okay for her to sell them because she needed money. Well, whenever she handed the children off, that's probably why she didn't want to give them, because she knew that she could sell them. Yes, most likely, yeah. So, there was no car seats for this 14-hour trip back in this car that, like I said, would make it to the stop sign. So, I did advise the police officer that was inside that there was no car seats. He told us to go ahead and give the kids, you know, leave the kids like we were told. And that when they tried to leave, they would follow her. To my knowledge now, that never happened. They never followed her. She never got in trouble. Nothing. She drove 14 hours in an unreliable vehicle to Oklahoma with two minor children. And let me add, there was an infant in that vehicle. um, And the children didn't have car seats. So I... Four and a six-year-old rode 14 hours with no car seats. Yep. Wow. Yes. So that um, that police department failed those children. Yes, they failed. Yes, they. I will say they failed those children, and because of jurisdiction and how far away, there wasn't much I could do as far as like court order or telling the lawyer to do something because of how far away we were and she knew that so she just got in the vehicle and proceeded on her way so at this point they've been failed by cps in alaska and now they've been failed by a police department yes and they're the and at this point they're only four and six years old and they have gone through all of that and been taken away from both of their only known parents in Alaska, sent to foster care to live with who knows who, given back to the mother. Then the mother says, well, I can't, you know, financially support you guys. I can't take you back home to where I want to go in Oklahoma from Alaska. So I'll let your father take you. So the father takes them doing what, he thinks is best and what he wants to do, be a father, travels, I think it was roughly three days from Alaska to Colorado with two, you know, pretty much infants at this point. Yeah, two toddlers. And, yeah. and then he does what the coordinator says, you know, exchange them every two weeks. Well, then they don't get to see their father because right. their mother says, well, Right. So, so these kind of bounce all over the place for the yes. first four and six years of life. Because, I mean, they were with the parents. Well, the first child was with her and God knows what man. Then she finds Mr. Rhodes. And so those two kids are with them. Then they're in foster care. Then they're back with her. Then they go with him to Colorado. Then to her in Oklahoma. Then back with dad. <laughs> well, well, and then you got to remember she abandoned them in Alabama right. at the beginning of 17. So then they're left to go live with a grandmother that they'd only seen maybe a handful of times who was right. an older woman. She was in her late 80s. So whenever y'all first picked them up after the custody order was entered, um, saying that, you know, Jared or Mr. Rhodes had custody. Did 
like, did they seem to know who he was when y'all picked them up? So in the courthouse, um, they were kind of shy, but I think that was more or less the mother had been coaching them all day or probably weeks prior, like not to speak to their father, not to speak to whatever girls with their father. Um, but once the court hearing was done and, uh, Mr. Rose and I came out of the actual courtroom, um, the children were sitting with a friend that the mother had brought and I walked up to them with their father and was like, Hey, I'm Kirsten and you guys are going home with us. And there was no issues. Okay. Like I was a complete stranger to them and they went, I mean, right with me and the youngest was attached to my hip from day one and still is. Yeah. See, I was curious about that just because, you know, the youngest was only three and is that right? Three? Yeah. So, I mean, he was little and he hadn't seen his dad, what, in a year or a little more yeah. other than yeah. him grabbing them from Alabama and taking them back to the mother you know, because of all of that that happened. But, I mean, he really hadn't been exposed to his dad in a while. And at that age, prolonged distance from a person, they tend to forget real easily and real quickly who that person is. So I was yeah, just curious. I mean, Which, the older child, you know, he was a little older, so their memory's getting better at that point. But... You know, they weren't allowed to see or speak to their father. So I was just kind of curious about that. Yeah. And you have to keep in mind also, um, one thing that, um, I will, I will say continuously in this is the oldest was adopted by Mr. Rhodes and they right. had roughly a year pr prior to the youngest being born to bond. So Mr. Rhodes and the oldest bonded really well. And to that oldest child, that's his father, you know? So right. pretty much the only dad he's ever known considering he was one when he was adopted. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he probably at this point, he's what eight. He, yes. Yeah. He likely has no memory of anybody before Mr. Rhodes. Mm-mm. No. So, I mean, I don't know anybody who remembers when they were one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, and, with all this, and even then, I mean, we don't even, or I don't, I don't even know, like, was she with his father? Because I know she wasn't married to him. And when she, you know, gave birth to him, she was married to some other guys. So, was she even with this guy? Was it a one night stand? I mean, I don't really know. Um, on that, I don't know too much. I do know that they were together. I do know his name. I do know that Mr. Rhodes had said that the mother was collecting child support off of this man. I did know and that because I saw that in the records uh, from Alaska that she had established paternity and child support. Yeah. So, but it also um, showed me that she was still married to, um, husband number three as well. So I wasn't yeah. real sure, like if he was really exposed at all to his biological father, because she was still married to this other guy. I don't know if they were together, but they were married and then she has this baby and then, you know, a little bit down the road, fraternity is established with child support and with her having a history of alienating children from their fathers, did he even know his father at all? Chances yeah. are probably not. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Mr. Rhodes did tell me that the father to the oldest, um, wanted something to do with the child. However, he wanted nothing to do with, the mother so he kind of went on his way which he was also a military member so oh. I'm not quite sure where he got stationed but he went on his way 
and was just like, well, I'll bite the bullet and give this lady money to keep her out of my hair. Right. And like, let me just keep her happy and she won't try to mess with my career. Yes. And then Mr. Rhodes was a young, naive soldier who did what he did. And the other man probably was like, shoo, thank God somebody's there. And he signed <laughs> his rights over. Yeah. Well, and see, and I was curious, you know, as to whether he had a relationship with the child as well, because he seemed to just hand him over without a fight. I mean, there, I, I didn't find any, anything in the records when I went to the court website about there being a fight to take his rights. It seemed like it was a willingly, here you go. He's yours now. Yeah. I think kind of like many will find out and I can testify to myself. There's been times that, you know, if this was me, if I was the male in this situation, I would probably say, yep, here, whoever wants them. If I could, you know, I mean, you just, nobody understands this life with this individual um, and trying to keep children safe, but you can only do so much. So you get to a point where you're like, well, I've tried to keep you safe. I've tried to parent you. I've tried to do everything. Mm-hmm. And your mother is causing it to where I can't. So hopefully this new person will. I mean, I'd hate to do it, but hopefully. So here you go. Right. Well, and I mean, you know, y'all, you've been dealing with this a lot longer than I have. You know, I've only been doing this, what, uh, two years almost. Yeah. And this fall. Yeah. This fall will be two years and, and it's just been stress and heartbreak and frustration. I mean, all the negative feelings you could think of, you know, it's been a roller coaster to say the least. Um, there's a lot of court stuff and a lot of harassment and belligerent comments. And, you know, you've been dealing with this since 17. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, four years um, and then, of course, Mr. Rhodes has been dealing with it longer than that. And so I can't even imagine. And, I mean, baby daddy number one, he got out of the picture really, really quick. I mean, <laughs> he was only stuck with her for a year and he got gone, which, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of leaning toward that's pretty freaking smart, you know, because <laughs> I wish I could have bailed at a year, but, and I don't even have kids with her. <laughs> And I'm not married to anybody that has children with her, but you know, it, it's a lot and a lot of people and most of the people listening are not going to understand right off the bat, like why this is so frustrating and you know, why this hasn't been simpler of a process, but I think our goal is by the end of it to have people understand as much as they can without being in the middle of the situation, how frustrating it is, how much these kids have been failed and why we need justice for these kids. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on this next, um, episode talking what happens from December 18th to May of 2020 it'll bring a lot of light into what systems failed and all the avenues we exerted trying to keep these children safe trying to get these children and I mean every time we tried to do something it was like we just were hitting a wall because the mother would up and move or hide or lie or not answer the door so I do you know moving forward um you know everybody please continue to listen because it will you know go into more detail so you guys can understand that it's not just a ex-husband and ex-wife and a new wife bashing each other like i've dealt with this and i don't wish this on anybody at all and i'm just trying to keep these children safe and that's all i can do Yeah. I mean, it's been like, I compare it to a dog chasing his tail. You just get nowhere. 
And that's yeah. how it has felt this entire time for me is like, I'm chasing this tail that I just can't quite reach it. Like I get close, but then it's yanked out from underneath me. And that's how it's been with almost every single court hearing DHS referral, you know, um, police report, whatever has been done. That's how it is. Like you think, okay, we're getting somewhere and then bam, you can't reach it. It just fails. And so, yeah, I mean, at this point, like they have the history and we're going to start really getting into the deeper stuff because I feel like everything has gotten a lot worse from 2019 and on. And, you know, there's going to be some things that, you know, are told that are hard to hear. They're hard to say. They're hard to listen to. And I think people will really start to understand what we're dealing with and like how hard this circus has been to live in. I mean, cause this is our life. We don't just get to, you know, hop on a podcast and listen about it. It we're living this. And you know, me and my husband, we talk all the time about how like to the normal regular person walking down the street, what we're living through would seem like a lifetime movie. Absolutely. It doesn't seem real. I mean, there was a period of time that, like, I thought, maybe, like, am I going crazy? Like, is this really happening? And how the hell did I get here? Like, how did this all happen? Because it was just, everything was so unreal to me. And I don't know, maybe I've been sheltered or never exposed. I don't know, but... I was just like, what in the hell is happening around me? And she is very good at making you believe that the sky is purple when you know it's blue. And she's Mm -hmm. so good at, I mean. I mean, the day, literally. The very first day that I ever met her, I didn't know her from a man on the moon. Um, she was at my place of business talking to me and told me horrendous things about the boy's father and stepmother. And I thought, you just met me like, I don't even know your birthday. And you're telling me horrendous things like things that people should be thrown in jail for and never released for. And I thought, what in the hell? And then the longer I knew her, you know, she would continue to repeat those things and add to it. And, you know, for a little bit, I believed her like, man, no wonder they don't see their father. Cause those people are just out of their minds. They're crazy. They, they don't need these kids. And then over time, once, you know, I'd known her for, six months or more, I started to realize that there was holes in all the stories and that sometimes the story would be this way and the next it would be this way. And it never lined up. Well, for me, if you can't keep your story straight every single time, it's because you're lying. And that may not be true. I don't know, but that's how I see it. And I started to think, you know, I don't think this is accurate. I think that she is souping this up or making this up. And she had the kids repeating all of it too. And it's things that kids should never even say. But, you know, that's when I realized, like, I don't think these people are as bad as what she has led me to believe. And of course, now I know that it's all complete crap and none of it was true. But she is very good, very, very good at making people believe what she wants them to unless you're around her long enough and then you start, if you're open-minded and you're really paying attention, you'll start to see the holes. Yep. Yep, That is, uh, that is her vicious life cycle that she lives in. Yep. And I think, you know, once we go further, people will start to pick up on like, wait, didn't that happen already? You know, because even when I hear it back, and I know all of the information, I mean, like, I could probably, you know, um, 
tell you about it from start to finish in like an hour if I talked real fast, but you know, like I know every detail and I've got most of it memorized, including dates and you do too. You know, it's like, uh, it's just, it's a lot. And, you know, I find myself like talking about it or thinking about it and going like, wait, did that, wait, what year did that happen? And then I'm like, oh, it happened this year and this year, but it was just a different guy or a different situation. And then I'm like, damn, like the patterns are so clear to us. Like, I almost feel like the only way the PD will ever even begin to understand or the courthouse is if I go in there like an old school detective with a pe like a pegboard and like put pictures and thumbtacks and strings connecting everything together. <laughs> like I feel like that's the only way they're ever going to like see it because they're also small minded and they're busy. And so they don't have time to connect all of that for eight years worth of crap. When if they would do that, they would understand where we're coming from and we might finally get justice for these kids. Yeah, and that's how people slip away. That's how they slip through the cracks is yep. people like her. Yeah, because the courts, they're just too busy. And so they listen to whatever is able to be presented in a 30-minute court hearing. And you can't present this eight years worth of information in a 30-minute court hearing. There's no way to do it. And so because they're so busy and then you've got this person over here who's a narcissist and she's really good with her words and as well, as long as you don't tick her off, she's good with her words and she can make you believe anything in 30 minutes. Absolutely. And then she gets her way because the court doesn't see the truth. And it's really sad. It's sad for the kids because they're the ones that suffer through the whole thing. Yep. And because of that, because the kids are the ones suffering through it, is why we're going out of our way to get the story out and hope and pray to God. I mean, I'll send the judge the podcast if he wants to listen to it. He can listen to it on his drive to work if he wants. But <laughs> at least you would get all the information. And maybe these boys won't have to suffer until they're 18, bouncing back and forth. And being abused, etc. So yep. it's a mess. But <laughs> if y'all will stay with us through the thing, you'll understand the whole thing. Because we're gonna lay it all out on the table for everybody to hear. So, all right. Well, um, we're at this point. They don't have the kids and. The next episode, we will go into how they ended up back with the kids because, good news, the kids are currently and have been for over a year residing with their father and stepmother, so they are safe right now. They have been safe for a little over a year, and we'll kind of get into all of that and how that happened, and that's when things get real juicy, um, a little crazy. But <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Check out our YouTube, Instagram, and um, our blog, and we'll see you next episode. <laughs>